The views expressed in TNT Trish and Terry show are for entertainment purposes only. You're listening to TNT Trish and Terry show, and we're starting right now. Well, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. I think we've got a great show coming up because this one, Terry, as you know, you're familiar with it. I'm familiar with it. And it's going to touch everyone that um, has a child that might fit this criteria no matter where they are educationally. If they're in a brick and mortar school, if they're on an online school, if they're homeschooled, I think this is relevant. And um, we decided to talk about it today. And I'm going to give a little bit of background information later on about why this is so important Mm -hmm. to me. And if people go back to our very first podcast, Mm -hmm. Terry gave her background about why she chose home education after a few years for her youngest two, not the oldest three, but the youngest two, and and her familiarity with ADHD, correct? Yes, exactly. And you shared with us how that had impacted um, a little bit with um, Aiden, I believe, and and your family. Aiden is your youngest, right? He is. He is the youngest of my five. Okay. And, and he has been diagnosed with ADHD, right? And, and we talked about it. Yes. He was diagnosed when he was in kindergarten. In kindergarten. Okay. Okay. And you don't even like to consider that quote unquote, a learning disability. You call it a learning difference. If I remember correctly, that's how Uh, you. Yeah. A learning difference or his ability. We call it more. He's got, he's got special, he, he can, he does things in a different way than other children do, and not as much as we we discuss it with him as a disability. Right, and I love that definition because I think when we tack on the term disability, it means isn't capable, and that's so exactly. far from the truth, and I love how you describe that. Now, you don't um, know this about CJ, I don't think, because I don't think we've ever discussed it, no. but CJ was also diagnosed with ADHD um, at age 10, I believe it was. Oh, wow. okay. And it doesn't surprise me um, when I look at the CDC statistics that he was diagnosed at that age, because that's one of the top ages. Uh, Age seven is actually the norm, but 10 is right right up there. Um, And it's a huge diagnosis because, as you know, it can look like anything, right? I mean, the criteria for this is all over the board. Um, And as a matter of fact, we have professionals in the field that disagree that uh, ADD is a separate diagnosis from ADHD. Some say it's the same diagnosis. Some say, no, it's, it's not. And even one child that's been diagnosed with this can't their symptoms, quote unquote, which are also all over the place can look very different from another child with the same diagnosis. So in that way, Mm-hmm. It's a very um, 
vague. A wide spectrum. Yes. You know, yeah. With how we look at it. Normal these days doesn't, isn't really normal. Normal when I explain to people, I, I make my arms wide and I say normal now is this big. It is the spectrum of normal is so large that you really can't pinpoint it like we did when you and I were growing up. Right. They, I mean, that's right. Like, um, I think what we would have just back in the day before this became such a huge diagnosis, um, we would have just said that that child has a lot of energy or that child is yep. reckless or that child doesn't like to read or this or that. Um, and I don't want to go down the path. I, I know there's people out there and I know there's websites and there's a whole subculture of ADHD isn't real. I don't want to really touch on that, but mm-hmm. I, at the same time, don't want to dismiss that. I do think it's um, a very overused term, Correct. but some children mm-hmm. and some adults do struggle with this or they use yeah. it to, um, be a catalyst to things that they're actually good at. Yeah. So exactly. um, it's not like it's a, um, it's a term that needs to deflate your balloon for the hopes and future. I, <laughs> because I want to share my background with it and a little bit about CJ. He doesn't even know that I'm, I'm doing this topic today, <laughs> but if I'm going to do it, he's not going to care that I share it. So uh, our diagnosis was, probably a little bit different since he was a little bit older right uh, but it was funny because um most of the time um in a child's history when there's some inkling of it it comes from a, a setting like a group setting with an instructor or a coach or a teacher that that after a period of time will come to the parent and um that when he was nine or ten um, there was one teacher that he had in particular that really wanted me to pursue this course because she had a child mm-hmm. that had been diagnosed and, yeah. and she felt that he met the criteria. Um, and, you know, he was in school at the time and he was about a year younger than most of his classmates, which put him at a disadvantage. Um, yeah. And if I had I was very young parent I didn't know that you could (laughs) hold them back a year which may have worked and helped him I don't know but needless to say um he he did have a lot of energy he's very social uh, but those are kind of things that work against you if you're a Mm -hmm. student in a classroom for long periods of time um boys like and CJ's a boy and so is Aiden Boys are diagnosed with this about three times more than girls. Yes, they are. With and the, the strange thing about it is, in, in in brain scans, there's no differentiation. Like they, it doesn't show up on a brain scan. So this is one of those fields. Is it's like they're diagnosing basically symptoms of a behavior that has all these um, components to it, and. CJ didn't have any violence or anything like that. He just had a lot of restless energy. And um, 
I don't know about you with Aiden, but I can tell people out there, if you go down this path, first stop is with your pediatrician, which that was my first stop. I had a very supportive pediatrician who Mm -hmm. really was very, very cautious about teachers being involved in um, being overly um, concerned about this diagnosis, like where they would be like looking for a child to say, to be concerned about. He had Mm -hmm. seen so much of that, that he was concerned. um, It was being hyper-focused. Exactly. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we went down probably the same steps you did. We went, he did go ahead, you know, after consulting with me, I I just wanted to do the right thing for my kid and went to a consultant. And um, then they, if if you haven't, if you're out there listening and haven't been down this path, they will consult with you and interview you on your thoughts about your child. They'll interview the child separately. Then they'll give you, I think it was about a 10 page um, survey or questionnaire. Uh, Did you have something similar to that? I think um, we, we gone through it a little bit differently. Yes, we are. Uh, we did the same thing about, but I think moving up a few more years now, they approach it a little differently, but I okay. mean, we're still, we're still on the same path. Um, we went through the school system then to go okay. through the pediatrician first, but the school system is where we started. Okay. All right. So, okay. So maybe it was a little bit of a different path, but, but I think the, um, the idea, the skeleton of it. Yes, yeah. Exactly yes. the same. Yes. You, you, we got a questionnaire. The school system gave us a questionnaire. We answered the questions accordingly. Um, a lot of the questions were like, does your child, you know, um, like to line up blocks? Does your child sit for a full story when you read him a bedtime story? Does your child, lots of, lots of questions. So then when they came together, these questions kind of were analyzed by the school system. And then we met again and took the next step. Okay. So the process is, is similar no matter which yeah. way you go about it. So we did the same thing. Yeah. And I, I will say some of the questions um, seem to contradict themselves because. Exactly. Um, okay. For instance, if your child is hyper-focused on an activity, that's actually seen as bad, that they can't be easily move to a different activity that they want to stay hyper-focused if they can't sit still while they're learning something like when they're supposed to be focusing that's also looked at as bad if they can't stay focused on something more than a few minutes that's looked at as bad whereas hyper-focused is also bad so when you're filling this out you you do get like okay and I also felt like um, filling it out. I'm like, some of these questions seem contradictory. Some of yeah. them seemed objective, but then others felt like, wow, um, if I'm not being careful filling this out, I can skew the results to make yeah. it look like he's got no problem or he's got a huge problem. So where is the balance? But exactly. we went ahead and, and went through that and actually it wasn't a, a difficult process and we enjoyed meeting with the um with the therapist who who did this diagnosis and then they conferred back with the pediatrician and the pediatrician was he he talked with us again because um mm-hmm. medication was not something he took uh that he wanted to do very easily like he he was against that um yeah. but he did do it 
but he warned us of some of the side effects and um and after the treatment um and you know i'm not going to go into the details of the treatment path that we chose but um it it just seemed like whatever worked for a little while whatever it was i mean we didn't want any changes at home we didn't want our child changed but it wasn't long lasting as far as in the classroom, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like yes. some, uh, you know, in, um, you know, I, I just look at that and he was just a different child than I was, you know, in, in a school setting, right. but our path and I, I want to bring some hope out there because not everybody is going to be able to do what I did. And that was after about a year, we just decided because of some situations that I didn't agree with. I didn't agree that students' report cards didn't matter anymore. And at that particular school, they were still doing report cards, but the report cards made no difference on their um, aptitude or anything like that. It just did not, um, they only considered end of year testing, which is not even yeah. achievement <laughs> test. That, that, that's another that's subject, a whole other subject. <laughs> it's a whole other yeah. subject, but you know, I like achievement tests. I like context tests. I don't like tests that are subjective. And we have a lot of that going on um, in our state, quote unquote, standards test now. Um, So anyway, we chose to go ahead at that point. And after talking with my pediatrician, this was, most people don't have this kind of uh, repertoire with their child's physician. But he asked me what we wanted to do. And I said, I, I really think that I don't like what I'm seeing as far as the treatment goes. It seems pointless. And I would like, um, I think we're going to consider something I said I would never do. I think we're going to try home education for a little while. Oh, my goodness. For Yeah, for two years. I was like, that was what I, we'll try that for 24 months. And he, I, I got it. I have to share this with people. He said, well, I hope you do try it. He said, because I think you're going to see some of these symptoms go away. Mm-hmm. And I was silent. He didn't say he doesn't have that diagnosis. I want to be very clear. He didn't say, I'll take this off the chart. But what he did say was, I think this is a good idea. And I think you will see some of these symptoms go away. So that's what we chose to do. Now, I have also had children that I've tutored in the same time frame. And since then, there are steps, and I know you probably implement some of these things to help a child with that diagnosis, because um, things like giving them a three-step command is pretty difficult. You know, like if you give them three things to do, they might get one of them, but the other right. two might get forgotten. And right. it, it's different in that that is consistently the case, right? I mean, it, it, that's exactly, you're it's describing exactly what's going on and you have to develop uh, within your own family um, ways of uh, how, having your child or children develop that uh, I'm trying to think uh, the, the develop that I'm, I don't even, you have to help me out here Trish 
um, pattern you know, of behavior he, that is yeah fun. exactly exactly <laughs> where he I'm sorry uh where he kind of just gets to he he learns how to take three steps and right. and, and fill them and fulfill that those those means you're exactly right Right. And things like, I mean, some very, I want to give people practical steps because uh-huh. they're not always going to be able to bring a child home. And in, and we're going to do a whole segment on that's not always the answer. Of yeah. The you know, like there are some situations, um, Terry and I have both been approached. I, I have people in my background that I've told, I, I really don't think home education is right for your situation right now. I hope you'll reconsider, you know, maybe there need to be other adjustments. So, and then there are people that um, have their kids on online schools or um, they're, they're home educating them and they, they have this diagnosis, but some practical steps in, and you, if you've got this diagnosis, they're already telling you these things, but I'm going to, as a mom, that went through this, give you some things, you know, the best thing to do is not overwhelm them. Okay. And they do better with a written list of short habits that they need to do every day. Like you can't, this is the child that wakes up and as he's eating breakfast, you can't tell him, go make your bed, go brush your teeth, go comb your hair, pick out a white shirt, put on your jeans. Yeah. and tux. You cannot give, you cannot tell them those steps of commitment. No, they need routine. These, these children, uh, which is very important, and, and, and you will be told that every time that you see, whether it be a therapist or a pediatrician or any, any health um, person, they will tell you uh, that routine, routine, routine. Right, right. So that's what they consistent. Need. They really, really do thrive consistency. with mm-hmm. consistency. They thrive with written checklists that are doable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Doable. And our biggest thing was like you kind of touched on it is three it was the they, they called it the three words or the three the the three um the three uh, I don't know, I'm 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 tied up today. You know, <laughs> they give give the child three things to do. We would always say, um, first I want you to brush your teeth. Then I want you to put your shoes on and we will then go to school. So it was like, give them two things. And then the, the final ending is exactly. And we were using that method on our son, Aiden, and he was thriving. So he right. would get it in threes. You know, then we're going to have lunch. Then we're going to go do this. And after that, you can have a cookie. It, right. Sometimes they- it was a reward. They need to know what to expect and they don't thrive on um, being their, their ship being jumped midstream, you know, so you have to be sensitive to that. But at the same time, you don't lower your expectations because, you know, their whole, um, you know, they don't need to have expectations lowered just because of that. Now, I do think parents need to also be very, very observant of their children because there may be something else going on that's being labeled as ADHD. They could have a, a, a hearing impairment. Right. A lot of times children with hearing impairment are misdiagnosed. And um, I have a friend uh, who is going to be, I hope, guest speaking with us at some point in the future to discuss this. But her daughter 
was misdiagnosed until the age of 10, no one knew she had a significant hearing loss and they mm. kept mislabeling it. So that's really crucial um, that there's not something else physical going on. Um, so get those things checked out. And if, if they're in a brick and mortar school, I think this right. is so important. You know, they're probably going to come home with homework. Uh, the best thing to do is do it in little increments, give them breaks. You're going to have to really be on top of this. You know, the, the worst thing to do is overwhelm them with a lot of focused work that is not something they would naturally gravitate toward. Now, uh, I, I can tell with Aiden, after talking with him, he loves um, statistics like numbers and how yep. often something happened. And CJ was very much that way. Well, it takes a lot of brain power to memorize those things and to be interested in those things. And I think it's also crucial. And this is, <laughs> I think this is crucial with any child. If they're involved in something, that they enjoy that's not passive. This is this is the clue that's active. And we're going to talk about the difference in that. Don't interrupt them. Like, right. and, and, you know, and, and I'm not talking about um, if they chose to ignore um, doing what they were told. I'm not talking about mm -hmm. that. I'm not talking about them ignoring you. I'm talking about if they're interested in something, like maybe they're putting a toy train track together. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you want them to go read a book. Well, don't interrupt them because their learning and their focus is so important yep. for their outlet on their brain Great example. as it is reading the book. And uh, hey, I'm a mom of many boys. You're a mom of many boys. It's been my experience. Most boys are not passionate about sitting down for hours and, and reading stories that does come later. It will happen, mm -hmm. but it's usually not in childhood. That doesn't mean you don't sit there and read books to them and engage them. But mm -hmm. um, so I think they are starting to realize um, these children when they're, they're hearing audibly, they may have a something in their hands that they need to stem with, or um, they may be the kind that needs to sit in a rocker and rock back and forth. They need to be moving. That Absolutely. movement means their mind is actually engaged. And you know what? Some of these things that we're talking about are good for any child, no matter what age level. It just may be part of their learning experience. And that doesn't mean, <laughs> you know, we need to take that disable off that label i i feel um it may be right. different it may require other uh portions of your time um you know it just means even if even if you're exhausted you're you know there's going to be methods that you have to employ on a consistent basis to help this child get over the hump and um most of these um kids that I have seen now, this is from my experience and my own son, as they age and as you implement these strategies, a lot of these symptoms will decrease because yep, they mature. They, and, yeah, they've learned to control that impulsiveness. Right, right, yeah. right. There, and there is an impulsiveness uh,
seven-year-old that's been diagnosed with this, Mm -hmm. it's not always going to be difficult. That's what the hope is that I'm trying to share. Like it does get better. And um, so I want CJ, my oldest is now um, 33 years old and he is thriving. He's a senior mortgage officer. Um, He has his own podcast. He writes articles for a college sports center um, routinely. He um, was in uh, forensic speech and debate in college and excelled at that. Uh, He had a wonderful college experience. Yes, these kids do go to college. It's not a problem. So I to throw this out there. You know, he's he's married and he's got his own child and his own thing. He's successful. And I'm throwing that out there because when they're younger, it's such a slap in the face it it can feel yeah. it can feel so it's defeated a, it, it's a, yeah it's a scary diagnosis you feel like you've done something wrong or what could have I have done or what happened right. and the more you learn about it it really isn't something that it, it that can't be handled it it is easily somewhat controllable whether you believe in medication or not but as I've realized and I've said the same thing to my husband as as well as you I can see Aiden growing up now and things aren't as prominent of his ADHD because he's learning to control certain aspects of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, you're seeing positive changes. Yeah. And oh, God, yeah. You know, um, I don't know why the diagnosis is, they don't know why the diagnosis is so more given to boys than girls, but it doesn't surprise me either because Mm -hmm. boys mature physically and mentally um, at such a a different rate early on. And I don't even consider it lag behind. It's just a different rate. We know Mm -hmm. in the womb, the development for uh, baby boys tends to be a little later than baby girls, right? Because um, premature baby girls that are born early have a greater risk of, or greater chance of survival than baby boys just because of that developmental phase. So I, I really do think if, if you just learn to implement some tactics and are consistent, the consistent thing, that means every day. You just, it, it's not a once a month thing. It's not, I don't want to do that because I'm tired. Um, you know, over, let's see, the past eight years, um, there's been a 43% increase in this diagnosis. Right. Um, so that's mm-hmm. a huge increase in the diagnosis. Like, yeah. um, now it's probably, there's probably multi reasons for that. It's probably because we're getting better at diagnosing it, but, um, you know, at, at the same time, I also think there's things that people can do to um, help their children. And I think if, if your child is in school, whether it's brick and mortar or online, make sure you're, you know, you've got a plan with the teacher um, as far as um, if things are going awry, how things are going to be handled, you know, and make right. that simple for them. And be communicated with, be able to be communicated with. Um, 
do you have anything else to add on to that? I hope this is giving some help, some practical right. No, I think between what you've said and what I've kind of added to the conversation, that is a, a very wide uh, blanket of it, but it, it kind of, you know, has a good, uh, we have a good, you know, a good idea or we've given out good uh, information. Um, but as always, if somebody has any questions, they can definitely reach us at right. our emails or they can, uh, I, I'm not even sure if they can even write questions or comments to us on the uh, social media platforms that we are at. But, there um, is a way um, that I can read um, comments and that you can read comments and reviews on each episode. So if you're out there listening um, on the podcast platform of your choice, if you'll hit subscribe and if you'll hit like a star or a thumbs up, that helps us. And then you can also email. There should be a place if you don't want to email, if you just it, it'll ask you, what did you think of this episode? And you can put your comments and maybe if you've had experience with this, you can let people know because it is, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty normal diagnosis now, yeah. uh, pretty common. And, um, and maybe there's some other tips that we haven't thought about, um, but uh, maybe there are. Uh, that uh, we've covered, but also just feel free to reach us at TNT, Trish and Terry at gmail.com and, and Terry is spelled with an I. Um, so it's TNT, Trish and Terry at gmail. Um, and just continue to listen in for these episodes because we're going to provide, some are going to be just fun and entertaining. And then we're also hoping to add some real helpful tips and um, and keep it going that way. And we just love for you to let your friends and family know that are interested in things um, that we talk about, about our influences on our family, whether it's travel, whether it's hobbies, whether it's world events, whatever we're talking about, please get them to listen into because I guarantee you, we're going to cover a topic that impacts either you or a family member or a friend. Exactly. And yeah. The best way, if you can help us, we're just asking our audience to help us get the word out. Um, now, I know you know this is coming, right? And I'm going to do my own sound effect right here until I learn how to add it in. So here comes the sound effect. It's, <laughs> was that good? Did it sound it was like great. a dynamite topic? It's, it's it was. To throw this at Terry, she's going to get the next episode. Or if she's got one ready today, I'll take it. I do not have one yet. Okay, so we're going to go with mine. <laughs> You're going to die laughing. I think it was back in 2004. I'm pretty sure it was. Our ninth planet, Pluto, was mm. demoted. Oh, <laughs> Okay. It's not, it's not considered a planet anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know there's controversy about it? I, I'll be honest. I don't know a lot about it because I, I heard about it while the children were in my, when while they were in school, like you said, back in 2004, it was demoted as, and while we were studying um, planets is when I learned about it. And I'm like, what? That's not <laughs> true. And I myself had to look that up. Why? Why was it demoted? <laughs> well, the only thing I could find out, and I'm probably going to 
butcher the enunciation of this, which really bothers me, but I can't help it. The Okay, so Pluto is in what's known as the Kuiper Belt, which has a whole bunch of debris in it, uh-huh. which apparently there shouldn't even be debris if if things were originating the way we think they are. Shouldn't even be debris out there, but it is. It's a whole belt of it. Well, apparently they found out, you know what? There's rocks in this debris bigger than Pluto. So, <laughs> how can Pluto be a planet? And right, right. I know a few years ago, and I don't, re- I think it's been about, what, five years ago, something like that. They actually sent back what they consider pictures of Pluto. Like, it's the first time they right. saw pictures, I think it was one of the Voyager things launched in the 70s, flew past it, got some pictures. <laughs> like the death star from star it wars <laughs> it's got this big old crater and it looks exactly like it and i mean man if i were the creator of star wars i would have so engaged that you know having that knowledge and putting it in there but um i just wondered um you know most people uh, most of the kids today you know they don't know that thing was a planet. Yes, it was number nine. Now we have eight. We're back to eight. Right. We're right. Yeah. Yes. We're back to eight. And I, you know, it it doesn't surprise me anymore of what things come and go. What what you and I learned and now no longer is. <laughs> How about that? It for makes me feel old. Well, yeah. You can look at it two different ways. I guess. I guess the way I look at it is, well, this proves that science does have to change because some of the observations are only calculations and and aren't observable. And then at some point when they become observable, they have to change what they thought they knew. That's Mm -hmm. part of science because I think we live in a society that says science is king. You know, follow the science has been the big slogan. And then you find, go back and look at something like that. It's like, Oh, wait a second. <laughs> they changed their mind on this. So, um, but I just thought that was a fun topic and lighthearted. And yes, yes. we will get back to more controversial stuff. Oh, um, absolutely. <laughs> we will we will go back to that situation and, and discuss more controversial stuff. And at some point, I'm still going to give my opinion on the very first dynamite topic that we had which was the coronation which I've not given my thoughts on it we're going to make that a whole episode and that'll be at a later date but um that's all I got for today I hope you guys have enjoyed this and um Terry's going to take us out I think unless she wants me to we haven't discussed it (laughs) well I just want everybody again to remind them to uh definitely uh like and share our page and they can always reach us at TNT, Trish and Terry, that's T-E-R-R-I at gmail.com. We'd love to hear some of the feedback you've got. Maybe ask us some questions. Maybe you have a topic that you'd like us to discuss that you may be having, um, you know, one uh, pros and cons of with, with a friend or um, a mate or spouse that you would like us to, to weigh in on. And to, again, remember that... Uh, our, our our platform is about fun and informational and we God bless you all and hope you have a great day. Awesome. Thanks so much guys. Be sure to like and subscribe. Thanks so much. Thank you. Goodbye.